Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another thunderously loud and speedy installment of Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Uh, tonight we're reviewing Judas Priest's 1990 album, Pain Killer, uh, which I've been listening to for a long damn time, pretty much since it came out. With me, as always, are the other three cylinders of this ferocious engine, Benjamin, Gabriel, and Tracy. How are you gentlemen doing this fine, very chilly January evening? I feel like I'm caught between the hammer and the anvil. <laughs> I think we all do. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like a nightcrawler, given <laughs> how late we do the show just, and how dark it gets. And yeah. just living bad dreams. Yeah. Oh, God. Bad. Well, I have to say this album definitely killed some pain for me this week and continues <laughs> to kill lots of pain. So I'm That's what it's for. Excited to, excited to talk about it. We're, we're having a metal meltdown. We're, 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 we've been in the middle of a metal meltdown for like two years, Tracy. You might be caught in a metal meltdown right now if you're listening. Indeed. You, you definitely are caught in a metal meltdown. Uh, <laughs> let me give you some details. As David said, this came out in 1990 uh, on 9-3 of the year, to be precise. It was the 12th studio album recorded in Mirabal Studios in Cologne, France, and Wise Lourdes Studios in Hilversum, Netherlands. I gotta say that there are probably a lot worse places to record your albums than that. <laughs> uh, it also came out on Columbia. I did the last album that we uh, reviewed, which was Alice in Chains. The producer on this album was Chris Sassengridis, and I probably fucked that all up, but uh, runtime is 46.08. The band, if you know them, you love them. Rob Halford on vocals, KK Downing on guitars, Glenn Tipton on guitars, Ian Hill on bass, and Scott Travis on drums, his first um, appearance on drums for the band was this album and they brought Don Airy in to play keyboards in Minimog bass which is an analog um, keyboard essentially a moog interesting mm -hmm. so looking at the dates this came out 18 days before our previous album that we covered mm -hmm. uh, they sound incredibly different that's accurate <laughs> I listened to both at the time but yeah they're not the same uh, I, Were they 18 days ahead of their time? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was definitely the beginning of a new era for Priest, I would say. Um, I, I've heard some people go so far as to describe this album as them injecting death metal into their sound. I think that's not accurate. Um, I do think they do that later on. But um, this was a much more, pardon the term, modern metal sound than... Uh, a lot of their earlier stuff. But I mean, this this is a band that's been doing, God had been doing this since like the mid 70s. Yeah, it's mid 70s. Yeah. They've and they've gotten, long. yeah, they've been around a long time, but they also had gone full 80s. They had chased the dragon, yeah. as Tracy always says, of popularity and become almost arena rock with like synths and lasers and shit by the time of Turbo, the album oh, yeah. before this. So it was not the stripped down fast. <laughs> Turbo thing. is damn near a disco album. <laughs> It's nearly a disco album. No, well, we can get into all that later. There's a lot going on here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this is the album where they uh, advanced through regression, so to speak, and went yeah. uh, kind of backwards on purpose, stripped it down again, up the speed. Uh, and it was, you know, this is the year of Rust and Peace and Seasons, and this was uh, Thrash's, like, you know, uh, Mesozoic hey, era, like the last day day. Because after that, it sort of flips to death metal. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I heard this described also as speed metal rather than I would thrash, agree with that. Yeah. Right? Because it's got sort of, what is that? Venn diagram of power metal and thrash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know they've used those labels then in that way. But 
Yeah, I think that's I think that sounds accurate to me in the sense that some of this record does sound like power metal, um, <laughs> yeah, it and it and um, it it has a certain amount of heaviness, but it does not sound any older than it than the '80s. You know what I mean? I think it right. I think it does have that '80s stamp on it. Um, but it's really for for me at least, and this is the only Judas Priest album that I've ever like spent any time with whatsoever. And I had listened to it before the podcast. Um, it's appealing for those reasons, you know. Um, it's totally appealing. the The speed is great. Um, the The intensity of the vocals is great. You know, like it's there's a lot to like for sure. And there's some camp too, right? It doesn't take itself too oh, yeah. seriously. Yeah. They always had a bit of silliness in them that, like, the band that they often get lumped with, and I completely understand why is Maiden. I Maiden. Maiden is nerds, but they're a different kind of nerd. They're more okay. of a loser right nerd. So these guys are kind of like uh, part of the term for our British listeners, but punters in a bar. You know, um, there is a bit of camp and silliness to this. It's not quite guar, but it's also just got some of that late 80s cheese to it that is still there, um, which was kind of th with them all the way through. But then they also like um, had a side where they were like doing covers of Joan Baez songs in the same. Oh, totally. So, you know, they just. Uh, did not give two shits and just played what they kind of wanted to play. Y'all, I played so much Warhammer listening to this fucking album, you have no idea. <laughs> Warhammer 40k constantly. Um, yeah, I think it's it's so amped up and it's just it's just so good. This album is um, was in some ways even more than the return to form. It was just, I mean, it, it was even now it just sounds so thunderous and awesome. It's just a wall of sound. Uh, in terms of production, in terms of just, yeah. I mean, the guitar playing will just melt your face off. This drummer, I'm sure, felt they had a lot to prove, so they are firing on all cylinders. I, I think that I had actually added something to the band, and I can't I have to go back and listen to Turbo and see what, like, it's sometimes... Much slower. It's yeah, different. but yeah. Uh, the, the pace on this is definitely up there. Um, yeah. Well, my only previous experience with Judas Priest is British Steel, which we did almost two years ago it seems like actually i think it was close to two years ago and that album is a much and it's is almost exactly a decade prior to this one yeah i think it was 80 or 81 it's much more slower in terms of tempo it's got a little more of that classic rock sound to it a little more less it's missing i guess you say like the adrenaline that this album has to it because this album from first track to the end it's like we're going to up it the speed by 50% on every song, regardless of what it's supposed to sound like. It's 50% faster than what we plan on it for it to be. Well, it's, it's interesting to me that you bring that up, and not necessarily the speed, but just like the, the two albums, because those are really the two albums where they are repositioning themselves for the metal landscape for the next decade. Correct. Um, and they actually do reposition themselves in a few years after Halford leaves, but... Man, that, it just shows again that these guys were like serious masters of the craft. And you can't, you know, we talk about, of course, since we talk about metal, we talk about guitar playing a lot. But man, this twin guitar attack. I, it's bananas. Yeah. Can I also say that these vocals are why I can't like most power metal Tracy tries to make me like. I said this to you every time we review Maiden or this. I'm like, if you can't don't have pipes like this like this or i guess britney slays it happens occasionally but most of them can't match this and so it just yeah. it just kind of falls flat to me if that makes sense it's like you've been to the la scala opera house in milan and then 
and then not that. Then you go to Branson, you go to Branson, (laughs) Missouri, and you're like, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I've been to the top of the Power Metal Mountain, and (laughs) you know, between him and the human air raid siren, Bruce Dickinson, it's. And I don't feel that way about all genres, but something about this one, you better be doing this, or I can't, I can't believe you. I think I think what it is, David, you really enjoy power metal. You're just gatekeeping it, so you don't admit it to yourself that you like more power metal than you do. Well, that's just it. I mean, as far as the vocal lineage goes, I think you can trace this back to Plant. That this mm-hmm. takes that that Plant style of singing yes. and, and carries it forward, whereas like everybody else was doing Ozzy, which as much as I love Ozzy, Ozzy is much. Ozzy is not a vocal talent on par with not. any of those guys. Not at all. He doesn't try. Yeah, he doesn't try. No, you're right. He doesn't try, and I appreciate the shit out of that. But and so, like, if you're like a dude trying to be in a band, I mean, it's like if Ozzy can do it, just about anybody can do it, and that's <laughs> a, a a overstatement. I know what you're saying, but yeah, but it's not like oh, I don't have to be Dickinson or um, Plant or you know Halford. I can be something else. But the guys who can do it. You know, vocal talent is amazing, and the the range and the power, and just the, I mean, the guy's nickname was the fucking voice for Christ's sake. I know. You know, I mean, Wall of Skulls had vocals that were approaching this. I will concede, Tracy. Yes. Right, that band. Anyway, uh, I want to also <laughs> highlight. We were talking about this a bit before we started. Just the issue of his sexuality, Rob Halford's, because he wasn't out for another eight years. And it always, I showed my wife pictures of Rob Halford, how incredibly village people, he was rocking it. And the lyrics of some of these songs, it seems so obvious with hindsight, but young people say the same thing about Elton John. Well, I, to that, I mean, I had a sense, I think it was a generational thing. I think if you were like, the guys who were like five years older than us, David, that you didn't see it. But people around our age, I I feel kind of had clued into it a little bit. Nightcrawler, I know there's a few of these, you're like, huh. It's, yes. I love Bites, which I don't think, you know, just not necessarily the songs on this album per se, but songs and something else. Leather Leather Rebel. Leather Rebel. I sang some of that to Robin. She just stared at me. She's like, what? Like, and then see, look at this picture of him. He's going to Studio 54. Because when you see Rob Halford, you see looks kind of like a leather daddy in the, the gay community like and so it's, what do you mean kind of tracy why are you adding additional things? He, just, he just is yeah. that but people didn't know the coding and like no, straight didn't. people are dumb totally. and just yeah. Yeah. like oh he's just fierce <laughs> and i think part of it is also a level of denial in the older generations as well sure. of course because sure. i think and, you guys yeah started to be more accepting in my generation and ian was more accepting and has become more accepting and now the generation like my nieces and nephews are growing up and are just like okay cool you're gay next and, and rock for a long time like kabuki theater has created a certain permissible amount of gender bending i offer you yes. twisted, twisted sister boy george and the entire glam scene of los angeles circa i offer you david <laughs> bowie i offer you david sir david bowie just motley yeah. curry all uh it's interesting you know no homo like there's sort of the this rule goes back to ancient grace but then that stuff was really popular too you know like was. the hair metal stuff and of course that's what i'm um, saying it yeah. gave you, know, you permission but yeah in a way that being openly gave, gay people you gave not- you people gave you permission by buying buying tickets yes. to your shows and buying your records right yes correct it became a feedback loop 
Well, I also just love the fact that Rob was one of the first people to uh, get Harley Davidson to send them a motorcycle so he could ride it out on stage. Indeed. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, this, um, uh, like, again, to go back to to this specific album, a a very modern, sleek sound that, Mm. you know, as Gabe said, doesn't sound older than it is. It, it, It sounds 80s, but not in a dated way necessarily um yeah like you don't have that loss i'm gonna say loss in translation due to production that you have in some of the older albums from this time they spent like a that, lot of money on this man i think this was it was i was wondering is this a still like tape album or was oh this yes digital? my god yes 1990 yeah, yeah, yeah this the, is this is way before digital and so like you're you're not missing having any of that i guess you can say loss in quality of of that style at the time like this still holds up like incredibly well production value wise to a lot of albums coming out today well i'd say the same thing about the maiden ones when columbia or atlantic threw real money at them and they got some of the people that sat in the chairs in this era yeah they were some of the best producers that have ever lived yeah totally they had they had a budget for this album they weren't recording like a fucking bathroom someplace you know and they also weren't of the mind of like you know, and, and some stuff that is recorded today could sound a lot better, but they, they think that for their genre of metal, that if it has real clear production, then it's not real metal anymore. Whoa! What? So I'm just... <laughs> red fat. Tell us I'm, how you really feel I'm about I'm never not going to be mad about that. Black metal, same. I know he was talking about black metal, but I'm I was talking about that. Yes. Red fat well, exists, and it makes me mad. <laughs> I actually don't mind it so much on red fat, because I think I know it's better than black metal, but 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 I think also for ripping genre that kind of crap your quality adds to the sound because it adds that garage sound. But that's a tangent. I need production that will defeat aliens and lyrics that sound like you're listing off marine chapters in Warhammer 40k. And this album is that album. It is, yeah. And and the thing about it is is. And I, I don't think the guys in Judas Priest would disagree. If somebody said, "Oh, you're an arena act," they'd be like, "Fuck right, we're fuck yeah, we are." <laughs> but we're also you in half. Than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're also so much more metal than you. I this, mean, it's also just like up. it's such a it's like bombastic, you know. It's just like yeah. such a huge um, sound that they're going for. So it makes it makes sense that the that's kind of like amped up and um, over the top a little bit. Um, uh, I mean, especially the stuff on here that reminds me of like power metal, it totally fits, you know. And to to, to unleash something like this as your twelfth studio album, I I'm impressed by that. This isn't how Metallica's twelfth album sounded. I don't think um, Metallica released a twelfth album yet. Are they been that slow. Yes, <laughs> they are pretty slow. So um, if you count some of the garage days, they I probably do. Are. Though. I mean, yeah. but they released garage days like four times. You just, so let's see. Yeah. Uh, are we counting live albums? I don't know, Tracy. You're the, you're the spreadsheet guy. Megadeth isn't this good. Oh, Iron Maiden's twelfth album. What is Iron Maiden's anyway? I didn't bother to line up. So Metallica's <laughs> released ten or eleven albums right now. So their next one maybe their twelfth. Um, well, Magnus- it won't be as good as this. <laughs> <laughs> Magnus' 12th album was Head Crusher, which that's not a bad album, actually. Sure. It's, it's it's an okay album, but it's not as good as this. I mean, it's... I will take that album over any album Metallica's released since and Justice for All. That I will, too, but... Well, I'm not since <laughs> Justice for All. <laughs> well, the Black Album. Well, you, you give that a good good grade, I'd Tracy. still take Head Crusher for Black Album. 
Well, oh, wait. You... you mean Painkiller? What is Pain Crusher? Is that an album you made up? No, he's talking about the Megadeth album. Oh, the That's Megadeth album. album. Head Crusher. Yeah, Head Crusher. That's their 12th well, album. Painkiller's better than album. I haven't even heard it. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a well, promise. Shall, shall we move into track? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. We're tangenting too much now. All. All of them. <laughs> everyone. Should we listen to six times a day? <laughs> yeah, I will say it drink everyone. You drink everyone. Yeah, for sure. Drink, drink. Sorry, Painkiller is one of the most face-melting, spine-destroying things that's ever existed on a record ever, in terms of an opener, in my opinion. And all other openers are two or lower in terms of their quality. So, uh, like, I just want to say on Painkiller specifically, I had never... I always thought Painkiller was was much earlier in their career, no. the way it sounded. And so it's crazy for an album to come out with that track as a 12th album, just like... And this they is what on the back burner for 12 years. Their drummer exploded like in Spinal Tap and I got a new one that came out of a pod and that one played fast and loud as hell. And their guitarist made a pact with the devil and, you know, Rob Halford is what? I don't know, a dark angel, whatever he is. He's something. I guess he still sounds fucking phenomenal. An alien. No, he still sounds like this. I loved Fight too. That side project. Think, yeah. That, yeah. So anyway, uh, these are all amazing and uh it ends cheesy as fuck, and that's fine too. Like one shot of glory is very much a power metal track. Uh, I dig middle metal. Okay, I, I just every one of these I could sing its praises. Um, some of them, the gay undertones, very strong in some of these, but that makes me like it even more. I mean, it's you know he was essentially a, a drag queen in metal before that was permissible. So just doing it, work, work it, Rob. Fierce. So uh, I'll go next. Painkiller is a fantastic opener. The rest of the first side, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see this. Um, but originally this is an album that was released on uh, LP. So it's sides. It's Painkiller, Hell Patrol, All Guns Blazing, Leather Rebel, and Metal Meltdown on the first side. Nightcrawler Between the Hammer and the End, Volatisha Evil, Battle Him, and One Shot at Glory on the second side. I think Painkiller is a great Opener and Metal Meltdown is a great closer to the first half. Hell Patrol, All Guns Blazing, Leather Rebel, eh, they're okay. The second half, the second side of this LP, Nightcrawler Between the Hammer and the Anvil of the Fish of Evil, that is a great triple shot. The instrumental of Battle Helm, I could take or leave. It's, it is what it is. And One Shot at Glory um, is power metal cheesiness. Not my favorite thing. I actually think it's kind of a weak closer for what is otherwise a phenomenal album. Is Living Bad Dreams not the closer on that album? That's a re-release uh, added oh. track. Yeah, that was, was added. I listened to I it didn't... too, but it wasn't on the original. Okay, so I was listening to that the entire time then. That's not I bad. Didn't... I listened to it too, but it is not how the album as released ended. And there was okay. another track too. There's this live the version. Live. Yeah, they did a live version of Leather Rebel. Yeah. Oh, well, they put live in the title track and I was like, doodly, I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's live, but I Blue Badgerings, it just I just thought it was the final track. So I'm agree. I think they're all I like them all pretty good, but I do think Painkiller, All Guns Blazing, Metal Meltdown, Between the Hammer and Anvil, and One Shot at Glory are probably the tracks I really enjoy off the zone. Well, I'm not gonna say anything that is super new either, just to say that I liked all of these. Uh, I like pretty much all the tracks. It does end a little bit on the weak side. Um, and my favorite ones are basically side A, 
uh, Nightcrawler and Between the Hammer and the Anvil. Um, and uh, even though I don't love the way that the album ends, I mean, it's still pretty amazing. You're great, David. Uh, this album is at least fucking legendary, obviously. This, is it an album for the Metal Gods? I don't know. It might be. I'm going to give it a 97. I'm going to break it into that god tier. Because uh, I do admit that instrumental is meh, and the closer isn't as powerful as the opener. So it's not uh, a, di- a flawless diamond, but it's close. So A plus, 97. I'm going to come in just a little bit under that. I do think it's a legendary album. Um, that last intermittent and closer, though, just a bit to uh, just not bad, but just bad enough to keep it from being an A plus. Uh, I'm right there with you, Ben. I think this is an A. No question. I think it's a legendary album as well. I'm going to give it a 94 instead of the 95. Yeah, I think it's a great album. I'm definitely adding it to the list. I like it more than I did British Steel when we did it. Um, I think I might like British Steel just a little bit. What did I get British Steel? Tracy. That's back in year one still. You gave it an A and I gave British Steel an A minus. Okay, so I guess I like them about the same. I might like some of the individual tracks off of here just a little bit better because I love Nightcrawler. I think that is a great song. Um, anyway, what are we doing next time, my friend? You are muted, sir. Muted as hell. For the Thunderdome aggregate, we have a 95. So it is Thunderdome approved as a legendary album. Yeah. Obviously. Just, just look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that album if you don't believe us. Yeah. <laughs> it speaks for itself. It, it does. Pretty much. And next, we're returning back to Soul Work as I make us listen to the 2013 double album, The Living Infinite. Oh, and a, a life Ben has been living infinitely months before the rest of us and forever. On the blast instead of. <laughs> that that's, assigned homework. I did that's one homework. does yeah. well I'm looking forward to that I suspect more than Ben but we're going to find out on Thunderdome Better Reviews <laughs> <laughs>